0: This podcast is sponsored by Orange Pinafore, the most convenient meal delivery service in town. Simply sign up for 13 croats a week and Orange Pinafore will deliver the ingredients for a range of delicious meals straight to your door, including lambus bread. Why do elves have such tedious food? Worm sandwiches, xenomorph eggs, weasel tongue. I assure you, that is delicious. Maggot cheese, roasted peacock and marmite flavoured ice cream Delicious mm. All the tabletop are out news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse and Morris is unofficial Tabletop RPG
1: Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris' unofficial Tabletop RPG Talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week,
2: as always, is... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers. Russ, as ever, I am absolutely delighted to be here. And you know what, Peter? You know what's really great? What's really great? I can make out what you're saying this week. What? You can understand what I'm saying? Well, that completely defeats the point of the voice <laughs> encryption technology I've been using. Now, anyone who can identify it is me.
1: I, I just want to thank all the people who did write into us over the last few weeks. We have had some technical issues with Peter's um, microphone setup, and we've now hopefully got that fixed. So for those of us who's, who've persevered over the last few weeks, we've got it fixed now. And hopefully, hopefully, Peter sounds less like a robot and more like a human being. <laughs> Well
2: egg, 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 Not egg, that he egg. is a human being.
1: He is he is still a robot, to be clear.
2: What what can kind of I Just better than human. That's just better that way. <laughs> uh but yeah, I've gone through two sets of headphones, um and now, due to the largesse of one of our lovely patrons, um I have a fantastic and wonderful widget a microphone. It looks a lot it's very green. It's very green. It looks like a small desk lamp. But if you can hear my voice and you think, oh, yes, yes, that sounds like a person, then clearly it's doing its job. Yes. Yeah. And it does almost sound like a person. Yeah, well, yeah. As close as you could ever get. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I was like, yeah.
1: <laughs> what, what can I do?
2: Yeah. So um, I understand we're an RPG news podcast, so we should probably, unless it's just a crazy idea, think about doing some RPG news. Yeah. Okay. Why not? Yeah.
1: How about some news yeah. about the June RPG? The Dune RPG from Modiphius? Yeah.
2: Oh, super exciting.
1: Is that So, I thought given the fact that a podcast is an audio format. Yes. Primarily
2: conducted via right the medium of sound waves. So, what you're saying is this is the perfect time to start talking about the fantastic artwork that's yes, got in it. Absolutely. I am, I'm 100% down. <laughs> it's like never let it be said that we did anything the easy way or sensible way. <laughs> Or well, let's face it the good way.
1: <laughs> so, listeners, you're just going to have to picture this in your heads. This, this artwork has been discussed. Or you can check out the um, show notes and look at it yourself. If you wanted to, you know, be that be that
2: clever. Uh, well, that's asking a lot. I mean, yeah, this is a podcast for RPG professionals. They're very busy people who have no time for frivolity, such as uh, listening to RPG podcasts.
1: Well, we've Ooh. got two pieces of art for June.
2: Oh, is this like the cover?
1: Yeah, so Wow. Before the cover came out, it. there was there was uh the first RPG art preview, which was um mm-hmm. it was on Polygon. Mm-hmm, the website mm-hmm. Polygon. Yeah. So it was talking a little bit about the um June system. Um not an awful lot of mm-hmm. information, but it did confirm it is using the two D twenty system, which we pretty mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. knew.
2: Yeah. And I think that was pretty much announced was not it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah.
1: And they said you can create your own house or you can join one of Dune's existing major houses. And they talked to a couple of the nice. people like Chris Spivey and yes. uh, Khaldun Kellil about the sort of diverse elements of the of the way they're approaching the setting.
2: Nice, nice.
1: Um, but the exciting, the really exciting bit is is the piece of art they released with it, which has a, a little spaceship and some people running away from a very, very, very large sandworm.
2: Oh, nice. But it's uh, enormous, this but- sandworm. Well, probably be like a carryall or something. I'd have thought. Uh, so, oh yeah, yeah, that that that's not a spaceship. That's a carry-all. It's like a just like a little runabout, but with wings. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. Wow. That is that is a you're, you're talking to the person word. who's never
1: read or seen Dune. <laughs>
2: really? Oh wow. Okay. I it's, tried to
1: read it once when I was much much younger and <laughs> failed to read it.
2: Well, I mean, I imagine at the time it came out, this was just as the concept of ecosystems was being a thing. If you have heard of ecosystems as you might well have done in the past fifty years, then it, it it's less of a surprise about how the whole thing works. But like essentially they're like, Huh, spice comes from Arrakis. It's only found in the desert. The most notable thing about the deserts is you got big old sandworms kicking around. And eventually like, wait, spice comes from sandworms? No. Yes. And yeah, I mean <laughs> It it sounds really stupid, but it's it's actually quite a good plot. Um, And then you've got all the politics and betrayals, and like, you know, the Emperor is like trying to deal with House Atreides by sending them to Dune to dethrone them. And it's a bit of a poison chalice because then House Arconon gets in and wants to stab them. Oh, spoilers, by the way, but I feel if you're interested in Dune, it's probably because you've read the book. Uh, If you're interested in ecosystems and the politics, that might come with a massive spacefaring empire, then Dune is very much... Uh, the first Dune book is very interesting. The second ones I found, the second subsequent ones, went a bit mystical for my taste, so I don't like them as much. But yeah, mm. if you like the first one, it's pretty cool. Mm. Uh, yeah. And well, have you, the, the, have you th- seen the cover art? I I have just seen the cover art, and that is like, wow, that's... Very nice. Oh, I, I'm not even sure how to describe it. It's just got that special quality to the light of it, almost. Mm,
1: very, very... Well, you know, it's just very... I don't know, I love the way it's, there's there's that sandworm behind the guy in the middle, who I assume is one of the main Dune characters of the, mm. of the book and film I've never seen. Um yes. And there's a sandworm behind him, and the sandworm's mouth kind of frames... It basically gives him a halo. Sort of a halo, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's got sort of that old, like, sort of... um it's like a piece of stained glass, but uh And then not. Is that a load uh, of daggers? Be a, mm-hmm. Is that
1: a load of daggers sticking out of a planet or something? Yeah,
2: various swords and so forth. I mm. I imagine that will be June, which is mm. being contested. So you'll have I imagine Paul Atreides in the middle, uh probably Duncan Idaho on the right, and a Benny Jesuit or Paul's sister on the left. So mm. yeah, there's a lot of uh it it's got it's got a lot to be said for it. I say mm. Benny Jesuit because it's a lady uh, wearing a black headscarf and has a black veil and if you go down on that same page there is an there was a very iconic scene where there's a, like sort of a lady in white she'll be a beny jeseret novice the beny being like this sort of very weird cult who are have a secret program to crossbreed the various houses to produce the absolute finest ubermensch mm. which is kind of weird i gotta say and in this particular one Uh, the lady in white I imagine will be a Bene Gesserit novice um, who has her hand in a pain box whilst the the, sort of the strange little needle that is being held up towards her that's actually a which is a um, basically a needle that if you get scratched with it it will just kill you straight away Mm. Uh, and it's a whole it's a whole like you know mental fortitude test where you have to keep your hand in the box no matter how awful it feels it doesn't do you any permanent harm but it just feels really painful um so yeah that's exciting times uh, and then what
1: they kill you if you take your hand out Ooh,
2: nasty yeah i know yeah it's yeah. it, 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 it they, they, they don't have a lot of compromise and there's there's a lot there's a lot of it like that uh definitely one of the influences on the warhammer forty thousand setting
0: hmm
1: um, well, they're also releasing this with some collector's editions. There's going to be three collector's Ooh. editions, three separate ones. Really? Okay. And there's a green one, a red one, and a purple one. Oh, and nice, each of nice. these is a different house with a different insignia on the
2: front. Oh, red one I suspect will be Harkonnen. What's the yes, green so we've one?
1: got uh, Atreides uh, in green. Oh, okay, Atreides in green, nice. Harkonnen, Harkonnen in red. Yeah, yeah. And Imperial House Corino
2: in mm, purple. Very nice. Good way to take sides. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like it. I I I really quite like the Dune uh, intellectual property. I liked the book when I read it. I liked the film when I saw it. Mm. I thought it made perfect sense as a kid. And I'm still like, okay, they've edited it down from 10 hours to 2. But, yeah, you just interpolate in between the gaps. So mm. I don't expect to see everything. But the original was supposed to be 10 hours. Whereas, of course, if you'd released that... Within the past 20 years, it probably had been split over three films. But
0: yeah, you know,
2: mm. with a special 12-hour uh, extended edition. But that wasn't how they did things back in 1980. And circa 1994, 95. you also had the June 2 computer game come out, a uh, real-time strategy, which you know, I really enjoyed and played a lot of.
0: Hmm.
1: Well, I'll, I'll give June a try when the new film comes out, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah. They've also had like a sort of a longer form adaptation on the sci-fi channel as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's been quite good. I think they might have remade it, but I couldn't swear to it. because <laughs> I, I I haven't found it as convincing because it didn't have um, Sting kicking around. And uh, if you don't have Sting, then is it even June?
1: Well, you know, he's getting on a bit now.
2: It is, he is getting on a bit now, so he <laughs> probably wouldn't be playing the same sort of roles.
1: I say, so sticking with Modifius. Yes. So you Are know tri- sure? Dragon Meat would have been... Next month, at the beginning of December. December. Yes. It's not going to be, obviously, for obvious reasons, which I don't really mm-hmm. need to go into because if you okay. people can't figure out why, then they've really not been paying attention this year. Indeed. Uh, and so there's going to be an online one, as expected. Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: But Modifius is also launching an online convention called Modcon. Now Modifius ModCon. runs Dragon Meat. Yeah. And also the launching their own online convention, ModCon, which okay. is going to run at the same time, December the 3rd to December the
2: 6th. Oh, fantastic. Because uh, Dragon Meat, last time I went, was uh, somewhere in South Kensington in London. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, but that, was a, that was that was quite a long time ago. Actually, yeah, it have not been
1: there
2: in a long time. Okay, yeah. So, um, what, tell me more about ModCon?
1: Well, I don't know an awful lot about it. Um, mm. So, Modiphius is going to showcase a lot of their own stuff at it. In mm-hmm. sort of panels, um, and that's going to yeah. include the, um, Fallout RPG they're doing and mm-hmm. Dune, which is, yeah, uh, probably the big, the big, the big news there. And they've got a couple yeah. of panels. There's like one called How to Be a Great Game Master. Mm, interesting. It's, it's a modifious event. So a lot of, there's going to be a lot of, um, GMs running sessions of Star Trek and Infinity and Conan and, uh, Mutant Chronicles and John, I, I I start trying to list all the things that uh, Modifius produces, and then the list is so long that I've just decided to stop
2: because yeah, it, was good.
1: it would take the rest of the podcast to list every single game that Medifus produces.
2: Okay, yeah, so Modifius is getting in there. Uh, do they have anything to say? Yeah. Oh, nice. Has a great GM. Uh, Seven PM UK time. Oh, okay. I might even be able to see some of these. Uh, all all available on the Modifius Twitch cha- Twitch channel. How very exciting yeah.
1: Uh, yeah Hey Now this was a, Quite a big bit of news Oh yes Yeah Pathfinder Is yes. going to Savage Worlds
2: Ah oh, oh I think I've heard about this This is amazing there, well, This uh, was announced yesterday Yeah yeah
1: And Basically a Pinnacle Entertainment Group Who produced Savage Worlds Announced yes. That they're going to be taking The Pathfinder Adventure Paths Yes and I producing Savage Worlds versions of them.
2: It Rise of the Rune Lords in particular? They're
1: starting with Rise of the Rune Lords, but yes. it looks like they're going through through several of them. So they're launching okay. a Kickstarter in January. Yes. And on that Kickstarter, you can get a new core ball book, which is called oh. Savage Pathfinder or something. Okay. Uh, and a, a boxed Pathways. set containing the whole Rise of the Rune Lords adventure path, mm. Savage Worlds edition.
2: Oof. Wow, that's, that is a big job because I gotta say the two are not alike systems at Mm. all. Yeah, so, but yeah, I'm interested. I'm down. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm kind of interested in why that's happening as well. It's kind of like, it looks like Pathfinder, my buyers are starting to think their IP, their important Mm -hmm. IP is the Adventure Paths and licensing out the the, the IPs at Adventure Paths is, uh, Is a good way to sort of increase its portfolio in... I don't know. I don't know what the thinking is
2: there. It might be just in the way of an experiment. I mean, I'm certainly quite interested and excited to play it because mm. I've heard a lot of good things, and I assume rightly, about the uh, Paizo adventure paths that they produce. Mm. Uh, I would be very unlikely to purchase or buy Rise of the Room Lords mm. because then I'd have to learn how to play Pathfinder.
0: Mm.
2: And... I already know how to play 1D 20 system, and I'm very, very slowly learning how to play Pathfinder 2, uh, which is another D20 system. So the need for a third one is not one I feel. But you know what I do like? I do like Savage Worlds. And so I'm actually really excited by this idea, because yeah. I already know how to play Savage Worlds, and it's a lot less onboarding, because it's a lot simpler teaching people how to play Savage Worlds. I mean, it's yeah. it's different, but it's not that hard. And it does tend to lend itself towards fast, furious, and fun. So take that, add an absolutely cracking story, which traditionally Savage Worlds uh, has been a bit weaker on. You don't really, you see more like one-page one adventures, mm-hmm. uh, and these are things which you can spin off. So having a full, massive story arc is is very exciting for me. So I'm like, well, I could definitely see myself giving that a whirl.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, especially if they do something and uh, have it available online. Although, who knows? By... The time it comes out, we might actually be able to be playing games in person again. And wouldn't that be exciting? God, that'd be amazing. <laughs> that would be the best. 100% down for this. I
1: ain't anytime soon, though, is it?
2: Well, like I say, um, I think this is what? 6, 12 months away from release? Or do they have a release date?
1: Uh, well, they, they've they got a Kickstarter launch date, but that's all.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, so I guess we'll find out what the release date is then. Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, Realistically speaking, it's gonna be like maybe July, August next year. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, and certainly any sort of Roll20 conversion. So, I think it's a really good thing. It gets people who quite like, uh, the Paizo Adventure paths It's a good way to play it again without having to delve deep into, what's it, 20 levels of Pathfinder?
1: I think, yeah, I think it's gonna be introducing it to a new audience. A a very very yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it seems like a nice nice compromise, because a lot of people will be very keen on the story, but they won't want to get into, into the weeds of having to learn a lot of new system. So, mm. whereas Savage Worlds, it's basically, yeah, you get a funny-shaped dice, you rolled uh, ones which are best appropriate, mm. and an extra D6, and that is pretty much it. The rest is detail, so Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm really interested. Yeah. I, I just like really fascinated as well. It was like, so, I was out of the blue and they announced it yesterday it was it on Thanksgiving is. in America. Yeah.
2: I, I, I'm just like, I mean, it's not going to be an April Fool's joke, right? No. They're it's not April it, No. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Americans do things. Maybe they just have a tradition. Maybe, maybe, maybe no, 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 I don't think Pinnacle have started a new, haha, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it, it's ambitious. It's bold. And in many ways, it's sort of like saying, okay, well, we're sharing an audience to a certain extent, which is people who are not playing fifth edition Dungeons Mm -hmm. and Dragons.
1: Talking of Dungeons and Dragons, should we talk briefly about Dungeons and Dragons? Oh, go on then. All right.
2: Would you like a replica of the Yawning Portal Inn? The Yawning Portal Inn? Mm. Isn't that the, I think there's like a picture of it in the Yawning, Tales from the Yawning Portal. It's basically, it's a, it's a fantasy inn with a big hole in the floor mm-hmm. and sort of a bucket in which you can lower adventurers up mm-hmm. and down i mean i suppose well that could this be thing yes.
1: is uh it's painted but you've got to assemble it and it's three right. floors of tavern space with wow. a winch and a bucket to ride down into the portal it's got LED lightning that plays nice. off a, an infinity mirror that gives that yawning effect
2: oh okay nice
1: uh and then a whole load of furniture and decorations, you get miniature of the barkeep turning and there's tables and chairs and mugs and bottles and stuff like that. And there's LEDs in the fireplaces and walls to give it sort of ambiance and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty gorgeous.
2: Yeah, yeah. Sounds good.
1: Guess how much it costs?
2: Um so hundred fifty dollars like that? Nope. More. Two hundred? More. 250 more this is getting quite pricey so let's say a hundred dollars per floor three hundred dollars More. more than three hundred dollars <laughs> per floor okay um like i think at this point you should put the listeners out their misery and let them know what it is three hundred
1: and forty nine dollars99 three hundred wow
2: three hundred and fifty dollars mm-hmm okay well i suppose that's like about oof, uh, hundred fifteen, hundred seventeen dollars per floor.
1: I guess two hundred and sixty-two yeah. pounds for those of us in the UK.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well, wow. okay. Yeah. It's not
1: cheap. It is gorgeous, but it's not cheap.
2: Indeed. Um, I mean, it sounds very nice, but I personally have never known anyone who's that interested in the yawning portal.
1: <laughs> it's quite specific, it's, isn't it? Uh,
2: it's. It's not like you can just use it as a generic tavern.
1: Because the, there's a big hole in the middle, which kind of, yeah. Yeah, mm,
2: yeah it's a big hole. Yeah. Big, big hole oh. old in the middle of your tavern. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you could cover it up a bit, maybe. Um, but yeah. Uh, do you, well, well, I mean, what's it look like? Do you have a... Oh, right, okay. Well, it's a big old boy. I mean, what's that? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. So it's circling about uh, 15 by 40 inches. I guess. Um, but it, yeah, it is basically, you would be hard pressed to do anything but say this is the yawning portal because it does have sort of that giant well, which is, <laughs> when I say feet, by the way, I was referring to squares. So it's like 15 squares by 40 squares, which mm. are, I assume, about an inch wide each. And it's, whew, that's got to be about 12 inches across, which is 30 centimeters, uh, which is the diameter of this. Basically, like a well with, as you say, a little a little platform and bucket. <laughs> um Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's just like it's got some accessories. I'm just a bit confused by this. I got to be honest. For us, there's like some some of it. It's got accessories like tables and chairs, and they are clearly like individual pieces that are on there. Mm. And other bits, it's got. A ta- I can see a table and chair on the top floor. And they're actually just part of the floor, like they're printed on. And it's got like tables and like uh, little dressers in some places. And in other rooms, it's just got the beds printed straight on the floor. So I
1: suppose you can just choose to place something on top of where it's printed or not.
2: Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, it would get very fiddly to carry around. Otherwise, you'd mm. have to do a lot of setting up.
1: Yeah. You, you, it's people who've got a game room and uh, can just like leave it set up.
2: Yeah, I I mean, it looks pretty tidy, Uh, I suppose, if you were going to do a run of Tales from the Yawning Portal. I
1: think a lot of these things are, they're not so much designed for people who are going to use them. They're designed as ornaments for collectors, aren't they?
2: That is true. You have a game room, you're going to
1: put that in the game room. And maybe you might use it once or twice, but it's more an ornament.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's like you could use it as a diorama setup. Yeah, yeah. uh, A place for your, uh, like, favourite hero models to go and so forth when Hmm. you retire. Yeah, no, I mean... It's got a certain charm to it. I will not deny that, so yeah.
1: Yeah, so staying on huh. D&D anyway. Yes,
2: yes. For the moment.
1: Uh, so Wizard of the Coast spoke to the site Dicebreaker about D&D race and alignment and their plans for the future. Because you know all the changes that they have in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything?
2: Yes, that's right,
1: yep. The um, um, ways you can customise your character and get rid of some of the sort of bio-essentialism, determinism, sorry, from... Um, yeah. From it, so um, they, they, this, they said it was quite quite a lot of text, but it came down to sort of like it said a few a few yeah. a few things. So they said one of the main motivations of the, these changes of the whole character mm-hmm. customization stuff was to yeah. decouple race from class. Yes, I mean obviously I guess, but that's um, <laughs> is is what they said. But um, yeah. they, they sort of said like there was a tightrope between honoring legacy, yes, and freedom of character choice. And uh, they kind of felt the up to an now that hasn't really been effectively walked.
2: um well, uh, I guess, like I can't speak too much for the legacy and so forth, but if you have um specific attributes tied to specific races, uh basically species, then there are actually best solutions that you can make, like you know, some will just be better than others for certain purposes. Like the flavour, it's like, I mean, people are saying, oh, well, if you change that, then they're all the same. It's like, well, they're clearly not because only half orcs get hit into the ground and say, oh, no, I didn't hear no bell and get right back up again at you. So that's the thing. Only halflings are really lucky. Hmm. So I've always found that a bit of a specious argument. So it I'm, is, just it bit, is. I'm just a bit confused by, so they're saying they've got to honour tradition and so forth. Uh, no, is I that, think I, I think I
1: think they're pretty much saying they're, they're going to move away from doing that. It's like up till no. now they say they've been trying to walk. Yeah. I, this is my interpretation, anyway. Up till now they've been trying to walk a tightrope between the two, and it looks like they're kind of saying, right now we're gonna we're gonna sort of move forward now.
2: Yeah, because yeah, I mean it's been like a bit problematic having this yeah. sort of strange well, thing. So well, they are say, they going to produce stuff for DM's Guild or? Well, they say
1: this is a project that's going to take several years to fully implement. So I'm not entirely sure what they
2: mean by that. I'm I, I'm I am i i got to say I'm deeply confused by that myself, but yeah, what do you think that means?
1: I don't know. I mean what, I guess what, what, it they they want they want to they want to make more sort of fundamental changes to the core of the game. But obviously they don't want um, to bring out a new edition yet, so they've gotta do it so, through sort of retcons like Tasha's.
2: So they're going to do it in sixth edition if they do it. I don't know. I don't that, know. What, I don't uh, know. It's it's We well, don't want to put words in their mouth, but it's very hard to understand what is going to take them so long. Because, quite frankly, they could reprint on a single page of A4 pretty much all the changes they made in Tasha's you know called and everything, and still have space for some nice artwork.
1: Mm. Yeah,
2: I don't. I don't think it's as groundbreaking a change as they think it is. So, mm. yeah. No,
1: it sounds like they, they, they feel they've just got started and they've got a long way to go with it, which. Guess we just have to um, wait and see what they do. I
2: guess. Well, for a company that's been trading itself on it, its like, you know, oh look how diverse and inclusive we are. It's been let's see, uh, one, two, six years since the uh, the first copy of the player's handbook came out and was rightly lauded as being a big step. And it just feels like a very underwhelming <laughs> mm. next step. So yeah, um, yeah. All
1: right. Uh, so back to back to news then. So Zeitgeist. Yeah.
2: Sight Geist. Now uh, on Roll20, finally. Oh, nice. Now, as I understand it, that is an Ian Publishing uh, adventure path. Mm-hmm. Um, who's it by?
1: Uh, Ryan Nock.
2: Is Ryan the, Nock. Uh, designer. The,
1: uh, lead, lead designer on that. Mm-hmm. I mean, this came out a few years ago for, mm-hmm. I want to say, Pathfinder and 4th Edition. I can't even remember now. Mm-hmm. Um, was it Pathfinder? Yeah, I think it was Pathfinder and 4th Edition. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, and then the fifth edition version has been coming out on insi- in an Insider magazine for the last three years or so, two years.
2: Wow, nice. So it's been a long project.
1: Yeah. Uh mm-hmm. it's pretty much reached the end there. Nice. Yeah. And now the uh, the chap who converted War of the Burning Sky for Roll 20 has now mm-hmm. now he's come to the end of that. Yep. Is now doing Zeitgeist and he's done the first adventure and the player's guide and the campaign guide yeah
2: i, I mean i gotta say i personally had not been 100 percent convinced of the roll 20 modules but then i took a punt on what's it dead in Fae, which has the mega dungeon of doom vault i've gotta say it's been really nice Mm. It, it's meant I've had to prepare a lot less because, like, the maps are there, the tokens are there, the dynamic mm. lightings there. You've got like the player handouts. You've got like the individual briefings for individual sections. It's all it's all there, and you 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 can then just edit what you've got rather than having to do it all from scratch, which yeah. quite frankly is a lifesaver to a busy GM. Yeah.
1: Well, there are people who know what Zeitgeist is. I imagine a lot of people who frequent my site probably know because I've talked about it a million times over the last five or six years. But um, if, if they right. don't, it's mm. kind of... Well, I'll, re- I'll read the introduction. So Yeah, yeah. because It's quite dramatic and quite cool. Well, just, I'm listening. This, Hit me. This is, all, this is all classic Ryan Knox stuff. This is just how Ryan writes. And that's why he's done two adventure parts for us because I just love the way he writes. But um, Yeah, fantastic. So, steam and soot darken the skies above the city of Flint and winds sweeping across its majestic harbour blow the choking products of industrial forges into the fey rainforest that dots its knife-toothed mountains. Since the earliest ages when the people of Risa founded this city, they fear the capricious beings that hid in those fog-shrouded peaks but now, as the march of progress and the demands of national defence turn flint into a garden for artifice and technology, the old faiths and rituals that kept the lurkers of the woods at bay are being abandoned. The unseen court, the great hunt, and the many spirits of the land, long ago conquered by Rhesa's kings, no longer receive tribute. But they cannot enter these new cities of steam and steel to demand their tithe. The impoverished workers who huddled in factory slums fear monsters of a different breed, shadowy children of this new urban labyrinth. Even their modern religions have no defenses against these fiends. Times are turning. The Sky Seers, Risa's folk prophets since the homeland's birth, witness omens in the starry wheels of heaven, and they warn that a new age is nigh. But what they cannot foresee, hidden beyond the steam and stood of the night sky, is the face of this coming era, the spirit of the next age, the zeitgeist.
2: There we go. Nice. That is, that is some powerful writing there. Um, I'm taking away from it that there are some Fae who are pretty annoyed about uh, <laughs> the industrialization and they, they'd like to do something about it. Mm.
1: Yeah, so that's like a 13-part adventure path. Nice. Um, but that's a big first problem. adventure, right into mm-hmm. the axis of the world that's available now. And it all comes with um, some encounters ready to go, you know, tokens linked to character sheets, with clickable actions to automatically roll dice to the chat window and stuff. Mm, handouts, nice. loads yep. of handouts, uh, uh, about 100 NPCs that you can reveal to your players over the course of the campaign. Wow,
2: 100 NPCs. That is, yeah. this sounds like it's a very heavily political campaign.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of intrigue. Uh, so it's you play um, yes. constables in the Royal Homeland Constabulary. Right. And uh, the, the first adventure is you're basically, there's this brand new steamship. It's like magic, mm-hmm. magic, magic steamship, uh, yeah. which the king is launching. And he's very, very proud of. And there's this launch party mm-hmm. going on. And you as constables have to be there and keep order. Yeah, yeah. And then some Fae some try to sabotage the, steam tip, the steamship, uh, and it all kind of kicks off from there.
2: they get crashing a party, causing mm. trouble, making princesses fall asleep, laying curses. I mean, is there anything that those pointy-eared so-and-sos will not do?
0: Mm.
1: Okay, fantastic. Yeah, but it's great. It's a bloody, bloody good campaign. Yeah,
2: okay. Well, I guess I'll have to put that on one of those. I hope somebody else runs for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, I've said before, but it's very much designed for the sort of advanced DM.
2: Mm, one kind kind heavily of, focused on political sort of things.
1: It's, yeah, it's, 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 it is it's difficult to, not difficult to run, but you've got to put effort into it. And the mm. reward you get out of having done so is great because it's such an amazing campaign, but it does mm. require you to put a bit of effort in to run. Yeah, yeah.
2: you want to re- have someone who's really committed to reading it yeah. all, understanding it, and making it almost their own. Yeah, yeah,
1: mm. yeah. That's it. That's the news.
2: Mm. Oh, how how are we doing for kickstarters this month?
1: I'll just run through a few quick kickstarters and show we? So, what have we got? We got Heroes of the Cipher System from Monty Cook. Nice. We uh, is that, mentioned is that, that, is that last week. That's
2: all NPCs for them, is it? Or
1: no, that's the uh, superheroes and the first responders. Oh
2: yes, of course. Yes, that's right. Uh, so it's like if you want yeah, to play, so a paramedic. Claim the
1: sky and mm-hmm. first responders are the two two Sweet. And we've got Sean K. Reynolds coming on the show in a couple of weeks to talk about that. Oh, fantastic. Oh, I look like I'm forward to hearing about that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else have we got? We've got Entralling Adventures, an Incredible World for 5th Edition.
2: So well, well, I'm, I'm hoping for so a, this... like, a general sort of um, like adventure seeds. Is it full of adventure seeds?
1: Uh, it's, well, it's by a company called Gooey Cube. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these are Adventures and a Gritty Realistic World. With uh, a big city in two box sets. Oh, okay. Uh and lots of add-ons like character portraits, dice, side quest adventures. Right. Uh and uh Adventure Path chapters one to three of the Red Star Rising
2: campaign. Okay. Well, um I've not heard of it, but that sounds like they're adding a lot of extra accessories. Sounds mm, pretty cool. Yeah. yeah.
1: It does look like it's an adventure box set in a campaign setting, basically. It's done very well on Kickstarter. It's got two weeks to go, and it's at £68,000. Nice. Or $91,000. Uh, $91,000. $91, good grief. Mm, very good. yeah. Uh, what else have we got? Dreadful Realms, Caverns of the Wise Minister.
2: Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh,
1: this is a Dark Fantasy Setting Guide and Level 1 to 11 Adventure Path for 5e.
2: Oh, Okay. That sounds intriguing. Yeah. Uh,
1: In cabins you play denizens of the city of Sepulchre, descendants of those plucked from their homes on the surface, trying to forge a new life in the darkness of the underworld.
2: Grim. Okay, so I'm taking a sort of a very funerary theme, lots of uh, ghoulies and ghosties. I
1: guess, uh, yeah. Trapped by an evil power. Uh, in this world your characters are looking for answers to questions that the players know exist but the characters don't. Oh.
2: Well, okay. Hmm. I uh, I'm intrigued. Uh, can't say can't say yeah. not.
1: Uh vision layers. This is interesting. This is an accessible oh, yeah. update for tabletop RPGs. So oh, it's accessibility cool. options. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is this is interesting. So yeah. it looks like a whole bunch of publishers have like um teamed up with this one. Yeah. Uh, and it's for people with, uh, it looks like vision impairment. Okay. And it's a bunch of tabletop RPGs, sort of greatest indie titles, updated for greater accessibility. Sure. So there's uh, over 15 tabletop RPGs in this Kickstarter, uh-huh. um, with the cooperation of some tabletop gaming designers and publishers and stuff. And... Uh, I'm trying to look what the actual... Well, we've got Time Watch from Pelgrane Press. We've got Fake Condense from Evil Hat. We've got Capers from Nerd Burger Games. Loads of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm just trying to look what the actual accessibility updates are. Vision
2: Layers. Vision Layers. Oh, is that L-A-Y-E-R-S? Yeah. Okay, because I was looking for Layers, as in, like, a place where you find a monster. No, No. Layers. Vision Layers.
1: Uh, so in my time throughout these careers, I've encountered people who did not see the same range of colour as myself mm. or even see enough light to read any book straight off the shelf. There are yeah. people who need an extra tool or two to access the hobby we love. So this is a technique uh-huh. um, they've applied to a handful of let's have a look, fonts, specialised fonts, uh-huh. um, layers so you can turn off PDF colours and look at everything in grayscale for colourblind users. Symbols that can be converted to text
2: prompts. Mm-hmm. Piss be uh, Canadian. Print,
1: Printer-friendly stuff. Yeah. Taking away the ink-heavy artwork. Nice. So it looks like it's like a, a bunch of different sort of things that you've heard of before, but kind of combined into one,
2: yeah, yeah. one project. Bundling it together uh, yeah. to give you a lot of extra value. And uh, yeah. Okay. So you can basically... They've sp- instead of having it just in one document, they've broken it up into a bunch of layers. They can just strip out the layers that you don't want, keep the ones you mm-hmm. do. Uh, oh yeah, oh, that's that's yeah. pretty nice.
1: That's a good idea. That's a, that's a good that's, yeah
2: yeah. Maybe. I mean, arguably, that should really become the standard for new stuff yes. coming out. Yeah, or
1: well, maybe maybe if this does well, it will. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I think some publishers are doing some of those things anyway. Mm, mm, mm. Uh, This is the first time I've ever seen it all presented in one sort of collected, comprehensive
2: package. Yeah. It's like... uh, Yeah, they're just focusing mostly on indie titles and um, updating them, so yeah.
1: Okay, next Kickstarter,
2: Questlings. 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 That sounds familiar. Um,
1: A children's book series and RPG adventure. Ah, I see. And it looks like one of our previous guests, Banana Chan, is involved with this.
2: Ah, Yes. Fantastic. Oh, yes, yes, I remember saying about that. It's got, um yes, yeah, designed specifically for children. It's got things like there's a, an ups mechanic, where if you roll, roll between one and three, you get like a little bonus and so forth to make up for running mm. so very, very badly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so looking at these, we've got these 8-inch by 8-inch square hardcover books, so fully two pages mm-hmm. long. They're very, very colourful and cartoony and full, you know, full-page art on each page. Yeah. Yeah, they look really interesting. So the first one's called So You Want to Be a Paladin, which is completely finished and ready to go to print. Nice. And So You Want to Be a Mage is in mm-hmm. progress at the moment, and there's four more after that. So it's a series. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah. I, I'm, I'm loving the artwork. It's got like a – there's a whole a whole pile of like basically sort of adults and then sort of their junior sidekicks, as it were, um, running in parallel. Uh, yeah. Play, play, also, play. So say you
1: play as two characters: one is your kid form, and one is the inner hero your child appears aspires to be.
2: Oh, I see. Nice, nice. Okay, so it's all about like the direction of travel, as it were. Yeah.
1: So you're a kid and a paladin. Yeah, I guess is yeah how it works. That's. Pretty and they've got these nice, colourful character sheets with big checkboxes and spaces on them, mm. and nice, you know, brightly coloured graphics. It looks really yeah, nice.
2: Sort of uh, an introduction to role playing. Yeah, I love the art yeah. on this. Uh, the art, the art is very, very nice. I, I, I personally find the aesthetic quite appealing. Not quite sure how to describe it, but I do, I am digging it. Uh, yeah. I think it is aimed at quite young children. Does it? Say, does it have an age range that they're giving?
1: Not that I can see specifically, unless I'm missing it. But yeah, fairly young
2: children. Yeah, they've got a Google Slides RPG module already available. So yeah. yeah. And like, yeah, very, very good prices for it as well. Thirty-nine dollars for both books, and that's,
1: and that's the kickstarters for this that, week. Is that is that it? Okay, yeah, that's it. Quiet week for kickstarters. Right.
2: Coming up for Christmas. Oh,
1: there's mine coming up. Oh
2: yes, I was going to ask. Uh, so you will have finished the advanced rules miscellany quick. That finished last week. Yes, uh, that funded. I hope
1: funded, yes. Very nice. Several times over. Many times hey. over. But the next one launches on Tuesday. Yes. And it'll be the last one of the year. Yes. And it's a sort of festive-themed um, Kickstarter. Again. So it's got some sort of Dickensian urchin NPCs. Always important. It's got some sort of snowy-themed villains and treasures.
2: I'm liking it.
1: It's got a clerical domain and a, a thing about the charity of St. Nicholas and how to use these sort of... Uh, Charity themed saints. So I don't have Father Christmas in your game, basically. I don't have Santa in your yeah. game, but a little more sort of Saint Nicholasy kind of mm-hmm. fantasy themed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's got an adventure. An adventure. Called Presents yeah. for Goblins, where some goblins steal a town's gifts from All's Giving's um, Eve.
2: Oh, those goblins. And
1: run off to their lair with it, and you have to go and get the gifts back. And it's nah. like a 13 page adventure <laughs> designed kind of for a one shot. Yeah. It's a little silly, and why not? Why
2: not? Oh, okay. That's yeah. how, that sounds yeah. pretty exciting. And that launches on Tuesday. Right. And it will run for only two weeks. Short, sweet, to the point. But of course, the best part is that whilst you're only running for two weeks, that does mean that you'll finish bef- with like a good, ooh, two weeks, of Christ- two weeks of the year still to go. So if yeah. you want to back this, you'll be able to take it and incorporate the materials into, into your adventure. Mm. In time yeah. for
1: Christmas, yeah. yeah
2: which is... Pretty good timing really. It's not like one well, of those we back it in May and then hope that it gets here by Christmas. It's like no, as soon as you backed it, you know that by the end of the Kickstarter, as long as everything's funded, bish bosh, job's done.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Oh, there was one other
1: thing I mentioned, um didn't mention, should mention, will mention, I'm about to mention.
2: Mm-hmm. One of those things. <laughs> is it is it is this a, is this another werewolf joke? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um it was the favourite Podcast of twenty twenty. Podcast of twenty twenty. The one yeah. where Ian World does a big poll to see which everyone's favourite talk and which everyone's favourite actual players. That that one. Yes. The one that we haven't yeah. been So the nomination
1: for. stage has been going for two weeks now. Yes. Ends on Sunday, which when this comes out is tomorrow. Right. So have we been nominated for us? That's the question.
2: No. We haven't been nominated.
1: Not one of our lovely listeners has um Seen fit to nominate us in our own poll.
2: (laughs) Well, I I mean, it seems a bit (laughs) if someone
1: could, that would be really nice by tomorrow, otherwise, it's gonna be mildly embarrassing. Uh,
2: I mean, if you want, I mean, for the listeners at home, if you want to imagine Russ's face, if you just imagine a picture of chagrin, it is literally (laughs) that is what Russ's face looks like right now. It's like, oh, I want to be nominated (laughs) for my own poll. It's like, well, (laughs) yeah, we don't really need to because, like, we're, we're, we're the like. Undisputed best RPG news podcast by virtue being the only RPG news podcast, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that also makes us the worst RPG news podcast. I'm pretty Actually, sure there are other RPG news podcasts, but we're the only general one. There's a lot. There's a lot of that cover more specific. Like there'll be a there's a Pathfinder one. Yeah, yeah, and you know, stuff like that. Like,
2: one, so that about like a Pathfinder news podcast. Like you know, we're the only general mm. RPG news podcast. I mean, if you want to vote yeah. for us, then we we, we Well, Russ would really like that. I'm not too fussed, but I would appreciate the thought, so thank you for thinking of us. But Russ, I mean, it would just make his day. Like, his little face, it would just light up. Um, (laughs) That I'm getting unbelievably dirty looks.
1: (laughs) Anyway, that's the news done for the week. We are finished with the news.
2: So please listen. All the news. Remember to nominate Boris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. Help make one of us very happy this
0: Christmas.
2: (laughs) Shh. The monster is nearby. I can feel it.
1: The tracks, they, they lead to that cave there.
2: Be careful. I'll be fine. I have a silver bullet here in my flintlock. That werewolf doesn't stand a chance. Werewolf? Yes, werewolf. A man who transforms into a wolf during a full moon and goes on a murderous rampage. It's not a werewolf, Tom. It's a wenwolf. A what wolf? A wenwolf. And what, prey is a wenwolf?
1: The question you should be asking is when is a wenwolf?
2: That doesn't even make sense. Why? When? What? No, when? Look, are you going to tell me what a wenwolf is or not? A
1: wolf is a wolf that can appear at any point in time. They prowl the wilds, attacking travellers the day before they see them. Why? No, when. Trust me, you don't want to tangle with a Y-Wolf.
2: You're making this up.
1: I assure you I am not. And if you're not careful...
2: Oh, no. What? When? Whatever. Whenever. Whichever. Ooh, keep an eye out for the Witch Wolves. Witch Wolves what? Eh? Never mind, you were saying?
1: I was going to mention that it appears that the wen wolf had your leg off last
2: week. What? No. When? My leg. It's gone. I warned you. But I felt nothing. You did last week. When? Exactly. I've had enough of this. I'm getting out of here before it's too late. That's the problem with a Wenwolf. It's always too late. So you're saying we're doomed? We
1: might have been. Might have been? Hard to tell. So how do we beat it? Well, a Wenwolf is allergic to clocks, so I brought this grandfather clock along.
2: I was wondering.
1: We set it up, just so, and we get it to strike midnight. The Wenwolf can't abide the sound of a definite time.
2: So what happens then? Look, watch. Clock. What? It's a clock, not a watch.
1: Uh, whenever. Pay attention. <laughs> there, that should do it. The wolf would have steered clear of us. We can now head back to town and collect
2: our reward. Don't you think you've forgotten something? Forgotten? No, what? You mentioned werewolves and whenwolves and whichwolves and what wolves and whywolves, but you never said anything about who wolves. Who wolves?
1: never heard of a hoo wolf
2: exactly you never know who a hoo wolf is
1: hey so peter i was uh, i was walking down the road the other day and uh, i saw this bunch of really cool good looking people cool good lucky That could only be our patrons. Yep. Man, I have never seen such a well-informed debonair bunch in all my life.
2: Yeah, right.
1: You know, why is that?
2: I don't know. You tell me. Well, if I was forced to speculate, I guess it's because they listen to our top secret, super exclusive bonus episode every week. Bonus episode? What? Yeah. Each week, our patrons get an extra half hour or even more of extra content that nobody else gets to hear. Oh, wow. That's amazing!
1: Where can they find this?
2: Oh, it's pretty simple. You just head over to patreon.com slash morris and pledge a monthly donation. Anything from a dollar to whatever you think we're worth.
1: I did a a scientific calculation once, just to see how much we're worth.
2: Oh yeah, how much?
1: Uh, You probably don't want to know. Probably for the best. Anyway, if you enjoy our podcast, please head on over to patreon.com slash morris and, you know, just pledge a little.
2: That's patreon.com slash morris and thank you so much for your support. We could do this without you. I reckon we could. Shh.
1: Let's talk about Level Up, shall
2: we? We should talk about Level Up. Um, what is Level Up? I don't know. What is okay, it? Yeah, well, that's a bit of a problem, because <laughs> that's, that's sort of what I'm asking you about. I was hoping you knew, because like, clearly <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure like listeners probably know what it is already because we have mentioned it more than, more than once in the podcast, but basically it's our advanced fifth edition game.
2: Our advanced so fifth edition it, game. It
1: takes fifth edition and it gives it more depth and uh, complexity is the wrong word. More depth is what it does. It gives you more options, it's more yeah. customization. And also it expands in areas like the exploration pillar,
2: mm. which is a big favorite of mine.
1: Yeah. I've come up I've come up with an idea for the exploration pillar, which um we haven't started oh. really writing the exploration pillar yet. It's some way off. We've been concentrating on characters at the moment and the origins mm-hmm. and the character and all that stuff. But for the exploration pillar, what I want in the book is like mm-hmm. a whole bunch of challenges, exploration challenges. Like fifty Fantastic. of them. And each of them is yes. sort of like a quarter page. So about nice. fifty of them, sort of like twenty or pages of them, or yeah. whatever fifty divided by four is. Which is not 12 twenty. <laughs> <But> anyway, <laughs> However many pages old. it is. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, each of them could be sort of like uh, something simple. So they're divided into tiers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So for uh, tier one, it'd be sort of like a broken bridge or a sheer mm-hmm. cliff face or nice. uh, a swamp. or a, and, mm-hmm. oh, and then as the tiers go up, sort of like for a tier mm-hmm. four character, it's mm-hmm. like a broken bridge isn't an issue. So it's going to have mm-hmm. different ones. But you can take, yeah. take any of these challenges and just throw them into a journey. Yes. just like that you just throw a broken yes. bridge into the journey and it's yep. got that and it tells you exactly how to resolve it and yep. what rules to use and everything yep. just in a little nice. plug-in way yeah. and that I thought and the problem is coming up with 50 of them of course which I haven't thought that far ahead yet
2: no clearly but yeah I mean there's there's a big design space that's been left blank here mm. I mean in the US alone there are literal fire tornadoes this is a thing that happens in real life and, you know and shark um,
1: tornadoes as well i saw a documentary it was on tv yes Russ. so real things.
2: and shark tornadoes are both things <laughs> um poor old daryl our editor is expecting to be hit once again by a hurricane it's oh, heading is he? straight one? Oh, dear. i know that's pretty much what he said oh oh dear another one is heading towards to me at least well no to be first off he said Phew, well that was a lot of hurricanes this year and then someone said to him Oh, but it's not over yet. It was like, oh, come on. And that was an entirely reasonable response because it's like, it's November. Stop with the hurricanes already. Mm. Yeah. But you know what? I've never seen one in an RPG. It's like, you know, there's a lot of regular weather or, well, not regular for me, but regular terrifying weather, which really you should be paying attention to. It's yeah. like quite yeah. important. Yeah. yeah. Like wildfires. So, so, yeah, yeah, there's so got there's 50, stuff yeah, wonderful.
1: There's 50 of these things you can just chuck into any journey.
2: Yeah. Uh, to yeah. make it more exciting I mean I think the, cl- the higher tier you get the wilder it should get like you could be looking at planes you could like even maybe lean a bit into that appendix and stuff and have like you could some have, very strange situations
1: like instead of hailstones yes you could have spheres of annihilation just raining down from the sky
2: I'd have questions for my <laughs> GM what why are there spheres of annihilation raining down from the sky <laughs> why me what did I do <laughs> 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 yeah, that would ruin yeah. your day, wouldn't it? Well, it would certainly put a bit of a crimp on it. I've got to say, yeah. Mm. But that sounds like a a, a really interesting idea.
1: Yeah, well, that's just yeah. some way off the exploration stuff. But um, yeah. yeah, we're definitely focused just on the on the sort of origins and the character classes at the moment is mm-hmm. the, the, the main thrust. But yeah, it's yeah. come along so well. I'm really pleased with it, and I, yeah, I and I feel like uh, maybe in the next two or three weeks. We'll be able to send this off to layout in the first two right. or sure three chapters, mm-hmm. like up as far as classes, not including classes. So just uh, the, the origin section.
2: Okay. So you can get like the parts of the book laid out before the rest of it's been written. Yeah,
1: well, layout takes ages. If you, right. if you, if we waited to the end of that, we'd be like coming up to June or something next year and then starting the layout. That would knock us on into the next year. So you wow. kind of okay. have to start layout as soon as you can. And art okay. and all that stuff. is just, it's just all that. You can't do it sequentially, you've got to do it.
2: Mm-hmm. To
1: do it otherwise otherwise you're looking at a three or four year yeah. development period. Okay, which is a long time. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and we want this out next year if we can.
2: Absolutely. Um, so I understand also you've just put a document up on In World.
1: Um there is a almost final now list of all the uh backgrounds, cultures And heritages that are going into the game based on all the survey feedback.
2: There's been a lot of feedback as well. There's been a
1: hell of a lot of feedback. I've basically, pretty much me, Paul Hughes and uh, Mike Myler have been working our way through uh, the origins playtest and editing and editing and editing and editing and editing based on the survey Mm -hmm. feedback. So it's very different to the survey to the playtest document that went out at the beginning of the process. Right. Which okay. I'm really happy about because that feedback was, you know, that's, that's exactly how mm. it was supposed to work. But anyway. Really yeah, important. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the, the point being, so there's a list out now. And I'm just going to go and find mm. the list and show it to you,
2: if I can find it. Exciting awesome. times. Yeah. Uh, I've, I found the uh, level up heritages and cultures to be, like, you know, pretty brave. Um, I think, I can't say, my first reaction to them was it was a bit, uh, I, felt it, I felt it was a bit overpowered overpowered but actually you know what over time and having seen tashes come out i'm like actually yeah it's it's actually about right
1: yeah but i mean it has it has been tweaked quite a bit since then as well so
2: oh yeah yeah i'm I'm very much looking forward to it.
1: so basically um a lot of the um heritage linked cultures yes have become general cultures so there's a lot of general cultures now Mm -hmm. compared to because before there was four cultures for each heritage Yes. Now most heritages might have one or two and most of them are now general cultures. Ah, uh, okay. Um there's a few new general cultures as well. But what we have done mm. is because this is this was an important thing that we desperately wanted to find out and and yeah. we did. People do mm. want to keep these sort of core legacy five E cultures. So this is a decision okay. we were kind of wrestling with because do you take like a wood elf? Yes. Do you just have a general sort of wood or foresty culture and just say, right, if you want a wood elf, you just take elf and put it with the wood culture. Mm -hmm. Or if you want a (laughs) human, you can put that with the wood culture or if you want a gnome. And that, that was definitely one of, one of the approaches we were considering. Mm -hmm. But um, as, as a lot of, a lot of the responses we got pointed out, if you do that, you lose the difference between a wood elf and a forest gnome. Because a wood culture, true. even though they both live in forests and woods, they're different, yeah. aren't they? In the books, they're totally different, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we did, okay. and people don't want to lose that kind of legacy world building flavor that D D has.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. rightly so.
1: So you've got yeah. so now basically you've got the wildling, which is your kind of your generic yeah. sort of um, any 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 heritage can take that and live in a forest in a in a small village in a forest. Or yeah. yeah. you've got specifically the wood elf, and you specifically also got the forest gnome, which are mm. specific but different
2: examples of wood-based yeah. cultures. Because of course, your heritage and your culture uh, aren't necessarily tightly linked. So you could like have an orc come from a uh, forest gnome culture. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and, and quite frankly, if you're a fan of Terry Pratchett, then you're like, what are you saying? I get to play Corporal Carrot. I'm saying to you,
1: yes. You absolutely yes you do can. get to play Corporal Carrot.
2: You you can be a human raised by dwarves mm. and just like really lean into it. Yeah. Uh, I think I think one of the things most interesting about the heritage things is if you look at it initially, you think, oh, okay. It seems, it feels short. You've got Dragonborn, Dwarf, Elf, Gnome, Halfling, Human, Orc, Tiefling. And there's a sort of a, is that it? Sort of feeling. And, but it's that last one that really sells it. The mixed heritage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and from that, um, like in the playtesting stuff that I've had a bit of a chance at, we sort of recreated a kobold by mixing a halfling and a dragonborn, mm-hmm. which, quite frankly, what promises to be a lot of fun. So you can just like take mix and match various because um, yeah. you sort of get a, a major and then a choice of minor traits for heritages, as I recall.
1: Yeah. So what happens is with the mixed heritage, you take your you take a base heritage whichever one you want and then um for when you when you choose your heritage gift instead of choosing a heritage gift from your heritage you choose a heritage gift from a different heritage Mm -hmm. so basically you get the traits from one and the heritage gift from another is how that works and then you can do it either the way around
2: I, i think this is quite good because it means that instead of humans being just like you know the default, which are interbreeding with everything, and then nothing else can do it. Yeah. Then, yeah, you know, if you want a half dwarf, you can have that. If you want a half dwarf who's also half elf, yeah, you can do yeah, that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it flows together quite nicely. So in many ways, you've got more distinct um heritages that you might have mm. from the base rule books. So I think that's pretty yeah. good.
1: There's a couple of there's a couple of things on there which um I hadn't put on there because I didn't quite want to spoil them yet, but I think I think I will now on the podcast.
0: So yeah. the
1: Tiefling is the not the tiefling. tiefling anymore. Oh. It's now the plain touched.
2: Much better. Strong choice. I like it. And
1: you've got a choice of two. You can be a Tiefling or an Azimar.
2: Yes. Fantastic. And I realize mean, there's
1: like a, a dozen other plain
2: touched um
1: Things, yeah, yeah. But for now,
2: now we are just, just give those two. You've got to leave yourself space for an expansion. It's not exactly. a proper game unless you've got, like, two or three Splat books coming out. But though I mean, I think that's a really strong choice because uh, just having different planes coming in and mixing in, it's a very classic story. But ultimately, they are quite similar at the same time. No, I, I really like that plane touched. That's very cool.
1: There's a couple of class renames, which we've oh, gone with yeah. in the end. So The Monk...
2: Uh, I don't see the classes on here. Uh,
1: it's not actually on there, no, because this is for that okay. documents, just for the origins. But the monk is um, mm. is now the adept.
2: Okay. And the so reason all...
1: re- the reason that is mm-hmm. is because we want people to not just feel they have to make Eastern themed um, mm-hmm. unarmed combatants. If they want to do an Irish themed, you know, bare knuckle boxer, right. they can still do that. Yeah. yeah. You know, so it it kind of frees it from the from the cultural mm-hmm. shackles of being that specific culture. So you yeah. can still do the Eastern yeah. themed monk. Yeah, That's but you an can option. also do any other kind of unarmed combatant as well.
2: Yeah, I, I must say, I always did feel like a bit. Well, I've got my like little happy fairy tale setting. I've got to have a space for monks to come in who don't really fit within it mm. because it's less of a. If you want to make something less kitchen sink than the Forgotten Realms. Uh, which, you know, in has had a lot of things thrown at it. Uh, I'm not trying to disparage it, but there's a lot of stuff in the Forgotten Realms and you've got to include it all. But, yeah, I think this gives you more options to edit it down to what you want it to be. Mm. Yeah. And the freedom mm. of not having to be tied to a specific culture or specific cultural practices does seem like it's pretty strong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. the yeah. Monk- monk's are the Aldi adept
1: Because basically hmm. I see... I see people when they're playing is they will multi-class into monk to get some unarmed combat abilities.
2: Mm-mm-mm.
1: But basically, if they just want to be sort of burly orc who wants to have a really good punch, yeah, you don't necessarily want that orc to suddenly get a load of eastern
2: trappings. Yeah, but it's like it seems a bit strange. Um yeah. like you know, yeah, absolutely. That's a it's a strong choice. Um, if you so if you if you if you want to punch things, you can.
1: You could be a dwarf who headbutts people. You know, whatever a, a dwarf well, wrestler who headbutts people. I don't
2: know. Okay, takes them down in a low lock, lock and brings them outside so they can headbutt them on yeah, the floor. Yeah, it's the dwarfish yeah. way.
1: It just opens that up. It opens yeah, that up to more more options. And the yeah. other rename was uh, the old barbarian. Hmm. So the reason the barbarian got renamed is because when we looked at the barbarian class, basically the barbarian class is all about the ragey stuff, isn't it? It's all about the rage. So, like the monk, it also has a little cultural hook into sort of uh, primitive
2: sort of... Mm. It, there's a there's lot of stereotypes way. associated yeah. with it around So, yeah. But what you can do, that, what in, if yeah. you
1: want to be mm. uh, uh, a civilised, elven, armoured juggernaut mm. in gleaming silver armour who's trained to rage? Yeah.
2: That doesn't work with the trappings um. of the barbarian. Which Does is generally it? stripped off, full Conan, and um, absolutely no literacy. <laughs> which was a very strong uh, stereotype from uh, what was it? Fur- Fur Dead, I think it was. <laughs> that's that's where they first. Saw. Oh, long before that. Long, long before, before that. that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That
1: was like uh, an Articano in first
2: edition. Well, there you go. Yeah. So it's like the barbarian has muscle bound and essentially shirt off um broad swords at ready. Yeah. has a long tradition in D and D, but you're trying to give it the possibility to have more distinction.
1: Yeah, so basically, uh, like with the adept, yes. take take away the cultural element of it. Yeah, and leave that all that cultural stuff to your culture and your occupation, the origin stuff. That's where all mm-hmm. that belongs. Uh, so it's now called the berserker because basically that's mm. that's basically what the class does. I and then it. you can flavour that however you want. Yeah,
2: that sounds yeah. interesting.
1: So, so the two kind of routes we've taken is basically the oh. sort of um, typical barbarian, as you expect it, and mm-hmm. the juggernaut, which is kind of like the armoured berserker.
2: Ooh, nice.
1: One of our examples is like a sort of elven queensguard who are dressed in, you know, really, really, really shiny plate armour and stuff mm-hmm. with two-handed swords who yep. are trained to go berserk.
2: Yeah, yeah. Man, give no quarter. Absolutely. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Mm. I, I'm a, I'm actually trying to do that in 5th ed at the moment, and I am... I'm really struggling uh, to find yeah. something to do that properly because it's it's not a simple task. Mm. Ah, ah, no, I like that. That sounds good. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, what, what else did we want to talk about with uh, level uh, up then?
2: Yeah. Um, so I think you mentioned the paladin classes. That, that's going to be undergoing some changes as well.
1: Yeah. Well, well like all of them, it's going to get more depth, so you've got more options. Like, mm-hmm. like all of the classes. So you choose at yeah, every yeah. single level, you're choosing different things. The current, we haven't decided for certain yet, but the current proposed name for it is the Herald. Okay. Because but it's not, that of... one's not, like, Berserker and Adept are pretty much set in stone. Herald, not yet, really. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. something wasting some things. That one. Yeah, um, I guess because they're sort of messengers. Well, the thing is, a
1: paladin is also something quite specific in the real world. Again, it's that cultural thing Mm. where you kind of want the class to describe what the character does and use the origin rules to describe the culture
2: and separate
1: those things out so you can have more of a variety of paladins or more of a variety of, you know, berserkers or a more variety of adepts rather than saying Mm. they're this specific flavour, this specific colour sort of thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we talked about the heritages, we talked about the classes. So, I mean, if we were talking 5e, we would largely be finished talking about what we had to talk about, Mm. because you have backgrounds in 5e, but quite frankly, they're very much an afterthought and feel really tacked on. Mm. But in Level Up, actually, you start going into heritage, then culture, then background right from the start. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, Um, there's more backgrounds than there are in 5e. So we've got all the Ooh. 5e ones,
2: plus some extra yes. ones. Yes. All the players' handbook. Yeah, but yes. they're,
1: they're treated differently. So... Because mm. you know the traits, bonds, and flaws rules? Yes. So they're kind of replaced by what we've done with the backgrounds here. Right. So... And uh, the destinies, which is the last bit of this thing. So mm. traits, bonds, flaws, and alignment are kind of replaced with this stuff.
2: Yeah. Yes. Uh, so traits, bonds, flaws, and... Uh all those personality traits, that was all about if you roleplay, the GM should give you inspiration. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So how, how are backgrounds different from this?
1: So, well, first of all, we've got more of
0: them.
2: We've, yes.
1: add, we've added in, let's have a look, we've got the Constable, we've got the Cultist, we've got the Exile, mm. the Farmer, the Gambler, uh, the Marauder. Uh,
2: I see Trader.
1: Uh, Trader, is on yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. So we've got more of them in there. Yeah, yeah. Uh so a background, uh uh-huh. it gives you a couple of features. Yes. Gives you uh an ability increase, or two, one set and one of your choice okay. generally. It varies a little bit, hmm. but generally one set, one floating.
2: Yeah, when we say features, uh, I mean I know in five E, the entertainer, you'd have the sort of welcome in any place and you wouldn't have to pay for your background lot for your sort of thing, yeah. Lodgings. Yeah, yeah. Is that that's the sort of like level that we'd expect yeah, to yeah. continue? That's that okay. sort of thing.
1: They have a little advice on what what you can do with that, sort of plot-wise, with that, um, mm. that background, sort of plot hockey type stuff, and possible yeah. rewards you might get for doing that. Oh, nice. uh, yeah.
2: And also they've got things called contacts, or connections, sorry, and mementos. Mm. Okay, well, mementos, I'm guessing, is like a piece of paraphernalia or tat that you've picked up, and it just means something importance of the character. Yes, yeah. And they're yeah. all
1: like colourful, unique, interesting little things. And we've got a oh, D10 yeah. table for each one, but you can make up your own one. But we've got yeah, a D10 yeah. table for each one. Make so it the, one of the ones I was looking at yeah. the other day was just the true name of a devil um, okay. that you, you happen to know. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you know,
2: or, um, oh. you
1: know, or a letter from um, a letter from your um, uh, sister who no longer speaks to you. uh um, ah, I see. You know.
2: I, it's got the sort of thing that you could use it has a Role playing hook,
1: yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, and then the connections are sort of like I don't know, maybe the, the guard captain who drummed <laughs> you out of the force, or the, uh, the 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 pirate who taught you how to climb the rigging,
2: or you know, mm-hmm. you know, it could be or people or who like or you, who was, hate
1: you, whatever.
2: Yeah, the previous Dread Pirate Roberts, you're still in t- touch with, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah.
1: So, they will mm. give you great role playing hooks and they mm. really help flesh out the character. Okay. So, that's your background. Ah. So, you've got your heritage, you've got your culture, you've got your background, that's your, and then mm. you've got your
2: destiny. Right, destiny. So,
1: there's what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's ten destinies.
2: Ten destinies. That and is...
1: there's sort of like a destiny of chaos or devotion or knowledge or revenge or wealth or something. So, you choose one of these.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at metamorphosis, I'm um, like saying. What are these about?
1: uh, Yeah, so basically these are things that are your your personal character arc. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So this this is separate to the plot of the adventure you might be playing. Mm -hmm. So Luke Skywalker's character arc would have been, I guess... Very much a coming of age. Coming of age, yeah. Sort of the hero Mm -hmm. story sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So you choose one of these. um, Yeah. And this is how you get inspiration so in the same way that traits, Bonds and Flaws kind of did your destiny does so it it lists exactly it's it's a bit more specific than traits, Bonds and Flaws it lists the actions you need to take to get inspiration Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you can spend that inspiration on yourself or someone else nice and inspiration as before is an extra T20 so that's not different oh yeah and then also you've got these conditions um for how you can fulfill your destiny. Mm. So like for wealth, it will be accumulate X amount of wealth or something. Okay. So if you meet the conditions of fulfilling mm. your destiny, you mm. then get an extra ability. So oh, you're okay. kind of mechanically, not just from the inspiration, but in order to get that extra ability, you're mechanically encouraged to drive towards that destiny and achieve it.
2: Mm-hmm. So this is sort of codifying... If you act in a certain ways and you act according to the destiny you've chosen, you're more likely to get inspiration, which means mm-hmm. you're more likely to succeed. And then once you've completed your destiny, then you get an extra, you get an extra skill, an extra, yeah, identity. just an extra
1: feature, basically, an extra,
2: yeah, an it's extra a reasonably
1: powerful skill. feature as well. Nice. Uh, because, yeah, the the, 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 our thought is you're going to get, you're going to eventually achieve it like well after 10th level. It's going to be a higher level kind of.
2: Thing. Right. Okay. So you're not, so not going to be making... achieving
1: it in your first three levels. It's a it's a long term thing.
2: Yeah. So so the plan is to like have character arcs which stretch over the course of a fairly lengthy game because yeah. it can take about six months to reach level ten, mm. even playing weekly with XP. So yeah, yeah.
1: yeah no, we're kind of thinking it as sort of between the, uh, tier three, tier four, mid around uh. the crown there. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And if you achieve it early would you get another destiny
1: um there are rules for switching destiny oh nice um, with a couple of safeguards in place to stop you doing so in a in a much How- fashion yeah. Um, yeah so yeah you can you can switch destiny hmm. okay yeah that's that, pretty good that's, yeah yeah I've, I, the destiny the inspiration and destiny playtest packet is the one that came back with the highest score Aggregate score of every playtest. Because we've put out, oh, what, six playtest packets now, I think, ish? Uh,
2: yeah, something like that. Something like that. Um, You've got four classes and Destiny, any of us? Oh, and, and of course, Origins. the heritages. Yeah, yeah, Origins. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, this scored high, the highest of all of them. I mean, yeah. it did so, so well.
2: Mm-hmm. People really,
1: really, really liked it.
2: And of course, since 5th Ed is completely compatible with Level Up, uh, you can just drag and drop destiny mechanics into your own fifth head game side. Like, yeah, I suppose. you could do that. Yeah. Okay. How would you say the heritages that it's like some fairly significant changes going from a, a race and a background, a class to a heritage, a culture, a background, a destiny mm. and a class? I mean, that sounds like you're getting a lot more stuff. I mean, is it, is, is, uh, is it still going to be possible to play? Um, older modules and so forth using yeah,
1: left yeah, of absolutely, rules. Yeah, so the, the mm. that's like our prime directive mm. is basically complete backwards compatibility. You are going to be able to pick up, yes. um, a, but, but, basically anything that another company produces for, uh, core for we're calling that, uh, core for core fifth edition, the, the original fifth yes. edition game. We're calling that O Five 5 e by the way, this, so
2: in-house
1: O5-E. terminology and we're a 5e advanced with edition that's original
2: okay. with edition o5e okay yeah so,
1: <laughs> but it's only kind of used in-house but yeah. um so anything produced for o5e yes is a supporting product for never laugh
2: basically that, that, that's a strong position to take yeah. so anything from any adventure pathway from anyone like NFE final dm's guild if you find a drive-through RPG that says it's fifth edition, yeah, you first or, or third to... party, whatever, doesn't matter. But you, you don't care. It's like, yeah, we can and we will support it, and mm-hmm. it'll be great. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So you can you can pick up Cursor stride and you can play it using
2: the level up rules Fantastic. without having to convert. The point is, you don't have to convert anything. There, there, there's no conversion necessary. No. So it sounds like there's a lot of stuff to make uh, making a character more interesting. Can you mm. tell? Can you tell us a bit more about the the goals for the GM side of things for level up. Uh, what do you mean? Well, like, you know, uh, there's a lot of toys for players to play around with. Yeah. What do the GMs get? Because we're running the game. Like, uh, um, you've mentioned, I think, drag and drop options, like with your 50 different exploration encounters. Yeah. Which will be a lot more. That will be about 45? To forty more examples than mm. there are in the PHB and DMGs and Tasha's combined. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what what else are you? What else is planning to go into the book for GMs?
1: Um, well, monsters are going to be more interesting.
2: Okay, because uh,
1: there's a, there's, a, a, there's kind of some people say the D and D monsters are a little bit bad. at hit points not that interesting sometimes.
2: They've got an AC. They've got some hit points. They hit you. Sometimes they might grapple you. Mm. So
1: we're working we're well, I say working, planning on working on making monsters much more interesting. So Paul Hughes, mm. which is one of our designers, um, he's yes. come up with this great idea for how mm. monsters are gonna be presented. So oh, yeah, yeah. with every single monster, there's gonna be a mm. table of what an encounter with that monster means. And that doesn't mm. necessarily mean that you meet the monster. It yeah. could be you see some signs. Of the Ooh. monster. It could be you see its lair. It could be Ooh, you see some, a, you, a dead version. Yeah. It could be anything. So you could be, you know, on your
2: journey. You're, you're tooling along in the woods. You look at a tree. You're like, what is that? And you take, you go up and you pull out of the bark a seven inch long talon. I'm mm. like, huh, huh. Okay. So yeah. something around here has at least seven inch long talons. Yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. <laughs> So yeah. That
1: looks really fun, I think, and also Ooh. the monsters' abilities are being sort of changed—not well, changed, but sort of give them more depth again, just like just like yeah. to uh, it, make make them a little more interesting. Uh,
2: give them the opportunity to inflict conditions on the characters, because hmm. that obviously that will help stop them from going entirely has uh, predictable and add a depth of tactical complexity. to tell, tell you one tool that we're adding in.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. So you know when you come across an NPC. And he's dying mm. and he's gasping out his last breath, giving you the clue or whatever, or something. And the someone goes, Oh, like check my turn is over. And he's like, Oh, oh yeah. okay, I'm fine now. That's a narrative that's, that's a narrative <laughs> thing that it's yeah. actually a bit tricky for the DM to do in D D. Well when you say
2: a bit tricky, yeah, because it's at the start of the adventure. So yeah, people are like, Oh, well, best healing word him, how's that work? Yeah, yeah. So Oh, his wounds are too great. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I've wasted the spell slot. Great So thanks. we've got a new condition. It's called a doomed. doomed. The DM nice. can
1: give this to an NPC, and there are some ways, rare ways, that a character can get it, but generally, the DM oh, can okay. give this to a, uh, uh, an NPC. What Doomed yeah. means is you're not dead, yes. but you yes. are going to die, and yep. that cannot be stopped. Ooh. Unless, unless you're sort of talking ninth level magic sort of thing, but mm-hmm. it cannot be stopped. That, that NPC is going to die in five minutes no. or five hours or whatever. He's going to die. There's nothing you yep. can do. You can chuck all the healing potions in the world. You can drown him in healing potions. It's not going to help. Yep. He's going to die.
2: His card's marked. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah. So that condition, I think is going to be a really useful tool for, for DMs.
2: Mm, yes. It does have a certain something to it. Mm. Okay. So, um, it seems like there's a lot of emphasis on, building the revamping and redoing uh fifth edition so it will support higher level play as well
1: that's the plan yeah i mean we haven't got that far in the design or even the discussion yet to be honest but the plan the plan is definitely to make those upper tiers more interesting i mean a lot a Mm. lot of the problem with that is more that there isn't adventures produced for those tiers is that is right so it's less a rules problem and more uh more, more of a support material problem, obviously,
2: but mm, um, mm, mm. Our,
1: our own campaigns, War Burn the Burning Sky and Zeitgeist, go up to twenty. Yes,
2: so yeah, essentially, those are going to be pretty important. Mm. You've got the high level materials available, mm. so that's what you are going to be using to really support these properly.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the, well, the other things we're doing with our settings, our two settings, for Burn the Burning Sky and Zeitgeist, so we're having we're going to have little sidebars in the book. You know the way uh, the Core Five E. Books have like a sidebar for Dragon explaining how this thing works in Dragon or mm. and stuff like that or whatever setting, all the different yeah, settings. Yeah. Um, mm. we're doing that with our ones as well. So, um, okay. like the, t- the Tieflings in Zeitgeist. Yes. Uh, come from, uh, a land without magic. And so they're all mm. technologically sort of, uh, driven rather than, um, mm. rather than magic driven. Mm. So, in, in the book, we'll just have a sidebar and it says, in the zeitgeist setting, the steam forged culture yeah. um, is one predominantly used by um, tieflings in this country, blah, blah, blah. And just little mm. things, just things of flavor sprinkled throughout the book, just give you examples of ways you can use these different cultures or these different things.
2: Mm. I mean, some of the things I'm, I'm seeing and hearing about are quite interesting. For instance, introducing the concept of helmets. That's part of armour. Well, that's only just okay. come up in the last day or two, actually. I'm not sure what we're doing uh, with that. But, uh. but i got to say, I love the idea of a magic helmet. Because you've got well, teleportation get, it's, helmets. It's,
1: you can get helms of uh, brilliance and stuff
2: like that. Uh, you got helmet helm of brilliance, you've got teleportation helm. But like an actual proper magic helmet, I don't know what that would do, but... It's just I don't know. It's just like I want a spear of magic helmet. <laughs> fair enough. Fair
1: enough. <laughs> uh, you're 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 involved in working on the spells at the moment, aren't
2: you? Oh, uh, Yes, that's, that's right. Because there's a whole it's, bunch of people doing
1: that. Because there's so many of them.
2: Yes, yes, there are there are a lot of spells mm. in fifth edition, and it's all been about uh, rewriting them so that they are substantially clearer to read and easier for the use. Mm. I got to say, it's like I got given a word count. I was a bit intimidated at first, but then quite quickly it's like okay they use they use a lot of unnecessary verbiage and it's just not i mean i put in flavor text for all the stuff i'm working on plus a accurate and precise description of what they do i'm still coming in under the word count that they originally had so mm. i don't know it's just yeah I don't know, maybe, maybe they just needed better editors or something <laughs> so, so what
1: other changes are there just so, so like the spell structure and stuff like that
2: Uh, I also just
1: like
2: I don't know but uh, uh, I'd hope you would know Um, probably the most useful things to DMs and players alike is that uh, it's pulled out a lot of the technical information for the head of the spell so like the target you don't have to read the spell and then guess what the target is because i got to say, that can be very confusing in 5th ed. It's like, okay, I think the spell targets this. It actually turns out it doesn't target anything. It targets an area, and this causes effects on creatures who are not the initial target of the spell. Mm. Um, we're looking at you, Antipathy, Sympathy. I don't even know what you're thinking about. Um, <laughs> and so pulling out the target, like the area, uh, the range. I think there's been a lot of standardization of ranges. Yeah,
1: so we've got short, um, long, medium, and... Special, I think, is how it ended up. I can't
2: remember offhand yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Touch itself. 120 foot, which like you know, seems like a decent range, and helps make it a bit easier to standardize and design your spells, and potentially opens up the option of fear of the mind being a uh, a lot easier to do because if your spell says it's you know long range, then you can say well actually they're at long range, or you can say they're at medium range. And that gives you a much better idea of what's going on, rather mm. than having to say how many feet it is. Because once you start having to be concerned with exactly how many feet something is away from you, that does make it a lot more difficult to use virtual mind, in my opinion.
1: Tell you what one of my favourite things with the spells is. What? The tags. Tags. The as, the yeah. as yet named tags, because they're definitely not going to be called tags in the final book, because that sounds more like a programming thing, but yeah. I'm currently well, calling them tags.
2: Uh, Yeah, I I think it's because, as I understand it, there's going to be a fair amount of app support for level up Mm. and a searchable database which will let you go through the spells and search for them by things like, you know, what target is available, whether it's concentration, whether it's ritual. Well, well, that's not
1: the tags so much, but the tags are more like things like fire
2: and. uh... Yeah, but, but you've got your parameters that you can set, and then you can also say, I want to have all the fire spells that target a creature. You can go through and choose them all out, or yeah. if you're just interested in fire things, so that you can have a better theme for your your wizard, your sorcerer, whatever. That those things will be available. Yeah,
1: but it also opens uh, up design space for subclasses or arch- archetypes where you could literally say this fire, fire mage um, mm. archetype or subclass basically gets mm-hmm. access to all fire spells, whether they're divine yeah. fire spells or magical or whatever. Just if they've mm. got the fire tag, you've got access to it. Yeah, yeah. Or, or um, something like that. You know, hypothetically. Yes. And then yeah, yeah. you have you, got your fire themed wizard. So those tags just allow you to on the on the fly create dynamic lists.
2: I, I mean there's a huge amount of spells in D. It's like what's it, uh, north of two hundred? I
1: think on our thing it's like three hundred something actually, yeah.
2: Yeah yeah. So you've got like three hundred odd spells. Ooh. Uh, very few of which use the same wording mm. uh, or consistent wording from spell to spell. So this, I feel, will make it a lot easier reading it because you'll sort of grow accustomed to the visual grammar of a spell entry. Mm. It will have the, uh, the the target, the area, what components you need. And that is sort of true in 5th ed. But then once you're reading it, you know there will be a line of flavor text and then it will have the actual nuts and bolts of exactly how it works. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which... Hopefully, will be a lot less ambiguous, and will make it a lot easier to run. Yeah,
1: yeah. What else is there to talk about with level up? Um, I mean, class-wise, we've got our redesigned ranger, which is our well, ranger is now spellless.
2: Ah, taking the spells out of ranger. Yes. What, what, what was the... Uh, I imagine that was the subject of a lot of discussion. I mean, well,
1: not really, because the, serve, the initial yeah. survey asked for it
2: quite heavily. Okay, so if you want the it spellless was, ranger... Yeah,
1: we were kind of told to do that by the, by the
2: audience. Yeah, take, take the spells a... out of the ranger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's not to say the ranger doesn't have some special abilities which are a bit like spe- As good as spells. Spell-like. Like his, the ranger's tracking abilities are bordering on divination magic this the just So, you know, like in Lords of the Rings, where Aragorn puts his ear to the ground and he goes, Oh, well, the hobbits were here and they walked across here and they did that and then they ate a pear and then they walked over there and, they, and then one of them blew his nose and then what, you know, that sort of thing.
2: Yeah. So, it's going to be a lot more support for things like tracking than rather just, I don't know, wisdom survival? Mm. Shrug? Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. And then we've got a warlord class coming. A warlord class coming. Yes. Well, that's going to make a lot of people sit up and take interest. Mm. So. What do you know so far? Not much. We haven't read much. it yet. <laughs> <laughs> we totally know we want a warlord class. Well,
1: we're looking at the noble from uh, Masterclass Codex. We're looking at yeah. um, Rob Shroud's, uh warlord. We're looking at various warlords that are around. Mike Mills' yeah. warlord archetype and stuff like that. Uh, you've got got all the these different fourth things.
2: edition uh, no, no, warlord. Federation. I think is that where warlord come from.
1: Uh Warlord was originally fifth edition, uh, fourth edition thing, yeah. Fourth, yeah, yeah. But anyway, um we're looking at all these different ones that are out there at the moment, mm. and we, but we haven't actually gotten around to actually writing our own yet. But we will do.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, some people will not have played fourth edition. I have played a bit of fourth edition, but I never actually saw or played a Warlord, so I'm sort of familiar. Can you tell me a bit more about it? What is a Warlord? Well,
1: generally they they're a kind of a bit like the cleric. Uh, they're a sort of supporty buff character but they take more mm-hmm. of a leadership role. So they can... Okay. Depending on the approach, because there's different approaches to warlords. So they can mm-hmm. sort of give directions and tactics and stuff which
2: make people mm-hmm.
1: better. Or they can point to an yeah. area on the battlefield and give that area properties because of tactics and
2: things. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... And also, like, in 4th uh,
1: edition, they could heal all that range and things. They, could shout, they, oh, they okay. could shout encouragement at people and heal them that way.
2: Yeah. Had you tried... Feeling better and fighting <laughs> ha- harder. No, Have you no, tried harder. not
1: having your leg cut off?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah.
2: Quit slacking around and get back in there. <laughs>
1: yeah. And what else also, also we've got, we've got lots of ways to spend gold at higher
2: levels. And this is including Ooh, strongholds. Interesting. And followers. Right. Strongholds and followers. That mm. does sound very exciting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And this all kind of harkens back to first edition a little bit in a way. Because you mm, just get those mm. in first position. But, um, yeah, so we're working on those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so also, there's, a... yeah, a lot of more stuff generally to spend at higher levels because generally in 5e, once you start amassing a lot of gold, there's not an awful lot to spend it on. Mm,
2: mm. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely a system with very few economic sinks yeah. in my experience. Like, cause, the cost, like if you have a gold, you live like a king when you're in a village. Mm. <laughs> how, how big is the final book going to be? Are we talking like Pathfinder? We're talking more Pathfinder size, yeah,
1: because basically mm. we're combining a player's handbook and a DMG. DMG? Yeah, into oh, one. Oh, oh. Oh, also, obviously we're not calling it a Dungeon Master or a DM. We're also not calling it a Game Master or a GM. Oh, yes. Yeah, so what's the new name? Narrator. Narrator. Mm. Okay. Oh, well, we wanted uh, something the didn't have a gender in it, mm-hmm. which master tends to be a gendered word. Okay, so narrator
2: is a you know a more inclusive word to use, I think. Yeah. So I suppose, uh, yeah, it's I suppose it depends on your take on narrator. Like uh, I know, like in times past, I would have seen a narrator as being someone who's saying exactly this is what happens, this and so. But in many ways, it's more like sort of a voiceover person. In, like, a more modern TV series. That's mm. how I'd interpret that term nowadays.
1: Well, I guess you, when you play this game, you're going to interpret it in this context, though, and it will come to mm. I I mean that to you.
2: Absolutely. And the game itself will help,
1: help colour your view of the word.
2: I'm, I'm hoping it will do. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. we're adding the races in. I hope we've um, covered most well, of the stuff that we can. Yeah. Uh, so what about magic items and treasure? We haven't talked about treasure. How important is treasure? Because we've got lots of ways to spend. We've got new ways to spend it. Mm-hmm. Is there going to be new ways to get it? Crafting magic items?
1: There is going to be crafting, although it's not written yet, so I can't really talk much about how that's going to work.
2: Okay.
1: Uh, uh, let's have a look. I'm just looking at our um, our stuff. So we've got a bunch of adventuring gear. I've got an outline for adventuring gear. Yeah, which
0: yeah.
1: Uh, hasn't, We haven't started actually writing it yet, but we've got the outline mm-hmm. there. Um, mm-hmm. Let me have a quick look at that. Uh, uh, I can call it up. There it is. Adventuring gear. And oh, so we have got magical foci, potions, survival supplies, miscellaneous adventuring gear, and equipment packs. Um, mm-hmm. the miscellaneous adventuring gear includes, uh, prosthetics, combat wheelchairs. We're not going to call it that though, because that's, combat wheelchair is a, is a, is a name used by, by someone else, but the, the concept, mm-hmm. uh, eye patches, yep. compasses, spyglasses, bandages, alchemical stuff. Functional maps, basic explosives, uh, hunting traps, you know, all the sort of general equipment stuff that you would expect. Nice, nice. Uh, armour and weapons and stuff, we've got rules for using different materials. Ooh, Quite okay. a whole range of different materials, like your padded armour could be made from cloth or it could be made from something else or hide or.
2: Oh, yes, yes. I, I, I see that studded armour is officially dead.
1: <laughs> well. Apparently it and nev- not
2: before time. I'm told it never existed. I, I am informed. Well, well, basically, my understanding is, and this might just be an urban myth, but Gary Gygax apparently saw like a leather jacket with studs popping through it and thought, oh, that, that that's armour. Failing to realise, was actually looking at a brigantine, which is a suit of plates around which you have leather riveted over the top. Because I've got to say, that stuff looks really swish when you're wearing it. It looks very <laughs> nice. It does. It's like, you know, it's like you've got all the protection of plate armour and all the style of the best doublets. That's a hard combination to beat
1: Fair enough. Yeah. We've got rules for customising weapons. We've we got? We got a boomerang, flamboyant, quick draw, stealthy storage, stuff like that. We've got more weapon mm. properties. Yeah. Uh, We've got rare weapons.
2: I, I, what, what I'm getting, what I'm taking away from this is there's a lot of emphasis being placed on putting meaningful choices mm. into the game uh is that would you say that's fair yeah
0: yeah
1: that's pretty yeah right. definitely definitely
2: that's one of the key design goals give people meaningful choices like as there's a lot of front-loading towards character design what about has has characters level up are uh, are we keeping the traditional the class progressions so a wizard basically gets new spells and that's their shtick Whereas the fighter gets a whole pile of feats in their size. Oh, the same
1: concepts. The actual numbers mm. are, are maybe tweaking a bit. But yeah, basically, mm. yeah, a wizard will be, won't be will be playing an entirely different class. They will not look at it and go, oh, I don't understand how this works. They'll look at it and go, yeah, okay, that's 5th edition. I understand how that wizard's spell club table works.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's still 5th
1: so, edition.
2: It's not. Yeah. Uh, well, 5th edition is still compatible with level up. Yeah. So yeah. if you if you... Come from like the basics to the more advanced stuff. You will still know what's going on. Mm. You'll just appreciate the like little design tweaks. Is that yeah. the idea? Yeah. I'll tell you one thing. Okay, I didn't
1: forget to mention with spells, which I'm quite looking forward to. So rare spells. So this is a treasure uh-huh. thing. So rare spells. If you've got you've got your uh, normal spell block, then you've uh-huh. got your uh, higher levels bit and stuff like that. But also, in some spells, we're going to have rare spells. And a rare spell is another entry in that same spell block. So take, uh I'm going to just go with uh, Magic Missile, right? So you have your Magic Missile spell block. Underneath it, you've got your at-higher-levels yeah. bit. Then below that, you might have, not every spell, just some spells, will have a rare version, which might be like Davao's Superior Missile.
2: Oh, okay, yeah.
1: Which is better. It's the same level, but better than the the actual spell. However, you can't just choose it. You can't just learn it. You could only get it mm. if the GM gives it to you, sort of as treasure, or if you can find someone to buy it from, or something like that. You can't just choose it out of the book because they're rare spells. They,
2: oh, you know, nice, nice. So, so that that's actually wow. Okay, I'm having a real sense of deja vu because I was just talking with someone this morning, and they were saying that's something they really missed from um, older versions of D and D, which was having to find specific spells because in my personal experience uh wizards tend to look pretty samey in D D. Mm. they've got access to all the spells so they tend to gravitate towards the best ones so if looking for rare versions becomes a thing that's like an inbuilt adventuring hook mm. like you know you can say oh yeah oh yeah this guy knows where you can find rory's incredible necrotic fireball exactly yeah and someone's like i must have this yeah
1: exactly ah.
2: yeah and, and the spells mm.
1: are better than the the, the normal ones but they cost mm. quite a bit to get, or they require quite a bit of adventuring to get. Um, yeah, and they're all named as well. Every single one of them is named after a, a wizard or a, you know, whatever.
2: Okay, is that from Zeitgeist and all Burning Files? Yeah,
1: we're using those names from there, yeah. 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 Just like, just like uh, Core D&D uses names from Greyhawk yeah. for most of theirs. yeah. More than Klein and, and Rary and Tensile. Nice, and all that nice. So, so we're doing that. Um, yeah, that just seems like really good fun to me. Yeah. And it just seems like a no brainer to Absolutely.
2: It, it sounds like there's going to be a lot of, uh. And, and I currently consider, I've, I've
1: pitched this, but I haven't thought it through solidly. But I've thought about the idea of collecting rare spells. What if you collect a collection of them? Ooh. So, if there's a whole bunch by, um, say, um, I don't know, uh, Katrina, who's a fire wizard from War of the Venice Sky, So, there's quite a lot of rare fire based spells scattered throughout the book. Okay. At least there will be. We haven't done that yet. But, you know. Yeah, yeah, be. yeah. Um, work so what if you collected all of Katrina's spells? Ooh. Do you then get a reward for doing that? Ooh, intriguing. I haven't thought it through completely yet. It's just something that occurred to me the other day. And, uh, yeah, I think that could work. And it gives you a, a hook and a motivation. It's like, right, I've, I've, got, I've got three of Katrina's spells and there's 12 of them. If I got all 12... Do I get a bonus to using fire magic or something? Or I don't know how no, it would, what, work what
2: would Would your knowledge of the corpus of Katrina's work enable you to access higher level Katrina spells, or maybe you can give some sort of bonus to uh, using all of them?
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe yeah. I, you know, I as I said, I haven't talked all the way through, but the oh, concept yeah. there is in my mind, sort of borrowing away yeah like, do something with this this is an idea
2: like if you're if you're going to copy the greats it's like behooves you to like have a solid knowledge of the main body of the work which would mean that you'd have to have it prepared yeah mm. so is that just for wizards or is that for bars and sorcerers as well yeah 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 it's, it's, a, it's a general rule for spells nice, well. nice, nice, nice. okay well i mean this sounds absolutely fascinating and um i look forward to maybe hearing more about it so, Russ, it's been really, really interesting hearing all about Level Up. I have to say, it does sound like one of the more exciting fifth edition products that I've heard about. Um, and certainly looking forward to its release next year because, of course, as per all the Kickstarters, you're going to wait until you have the finished product in your hand before you declare the Kickstarter open. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. Oh, that's going to that's, that's be a big one. And then, So potentially, like this time next year, we could be sitting and doing the important business of weighing the product in order to determine just how good it is. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I believe. Absolutely. Mm. I believe next week we have Diana Gator, who has the bronze selling RPG supplement for Neverland coming on. Ooh, the Peter Pan thing. The Peter Pan thing, indeed, as you say. And that's going to be something to look forward to. Uh, They're coming next week.
1: Oh, I remember to vote. no oh, Well, nominate us! Remember to nominate us in the podcast podcasting. Otherwise, we don't get a nomination.
0: But well, we'll
2: just report on it. It'll be fine. Yeah. But Bruce will pout, and I will laugh at him, and mm. like that—that—that's going to really adds the tension in the uh, Morris' unofficial tabletop RPG talk newsroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. That's right, goodbye from me, Peter Coffee of the Southampton Guild of Role Players.
1: And it's goodbye for me, Ross. Until next week, au revoir.
0: Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris' unofficial tabletop RPT News, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com, or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to Podcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away shoo off you go goodbye get out of here
1: uh whenever pay attention
2: dong 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 i think we might need a sound effect for that one but anyway
0: i think so yeah yeah uh wait
2: wait I've
0: forgotten whether i forgot what was tom or tom